بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين يقص الحق وهو خير الفاصلين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رسائدر الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد A very warm welcome and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu to everybody present here and all our viewers online and this is the 13th session of our series on Islam's greatest personalities. And today, inshallah, we'll be discussing the story of Prophet Saleh alayhi salam. Who was Saleh alayhi salam? So he was Saleh, the son of Ubaid, the son of Masih, the son of Ubaid, the son of Hajir, the son of Thamud, the son of Abir, the son of Iram, the son of Sam, the son of Nuh alayhi salam. So we can see the ancestry, how it goes all the way to Prophet Nuh alayhi salam. And then who was the son of Nuh? Sam. So those of you who've been with us up until now, Sam, we said Nuh alayhi salam had three sons. And so Sam, who were the people that came from Sam? Who remembers? The Arabs. Jazakallahu khairan. So we said the Arabs, they come from Sam. And similarly, the people of Ad, in the last session we spoke about, Hud salam and the people of Ad. So they were also the, the progeny of Sam bin Nuh. And from him are the Arabs. So this is an Arab nation. So the early Arab nations, uh, they came from the son of Nuh alayhi salam called Sam. And then we have the other son called Yafith and the other one called Ham. Uh, so nevertheless, so this is Saleh alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Prophet Saleh alayhi salam to the people of Thamud. Quran says, Wa ila Thamuda akhahum saliha. And to the people of Thamud, we sent their own person, their own brother, a man from amongst them, Saleh, Prophet Saleh alayhi salam. Now, the people of Thamud, they used to worship idols, just like the people of Nuh alayhi salam. Like the people of Hud alayhi salam, who were the nation of Ad, similarly the people of Thamud, they worshipped idols. They were Arabs and they used to stay in a place called Al-Hijr. In Quran we have a surah as well, don't we? Suratul Hijr. And Hijr refers to an area, a location, a region. In between, you can say in between... Uh, uh, the Asham, so you can say the Jordan, Palestine area, and Medina Munawwara, halfway in between, approximately. So from Medina Munawwara, you'd say about 250 miles. From even now, we find in Arabia, so from Makkah to Mukarramah, and on the way to Tabuk. So in it's halfway in between. You've got Tabuk on one side at the end, right at the north of Arabia and of Saudi Arabia, and then you've got Hijaz, which is Mecca, Medina, etc. So about 250 miles from Medina Munawwara, we have this place which is referred to as Al-Hijr. There's a whole surah in the Quran. And another name for this region is Madain Saleh. 
Today they call it Madain Saleh. Very recently, we find that the, the Saudi Arabian government has uh, invested a lot of money for tourism to this particular area. And then we'll discuss in a while, is that a good idea or not? Uh, and they really want people now that recently, obviously now we've had the virus, but prior to that, they released the tourist visa as well. And this was the idea to bring investment into the country and to bring awareness historically as well. We used to hear that the Saudis were demolishing all of the sites before. And then recently, those who've been for Umrah, you will see they're rebuilding a lot of the sites. Uh, obviously, the, the angle is different because they want people to visit. They want to boost the tourism. They're waiting for 2030. And uh, there's a lot of things going on in regards to that. So this particular area uh, was a very famous trade route. And it's a crossroad. So you've got the, the, the Asham, the Levant, uh, Syria comes much further north, but you've got obviously Jordan, Palestine, etc. And then over here you've got Arabia. So this is right bang in the middle and a very popular area. So those of you who've been to Jordan and you've been to Petra, anybody been to Petra? You've been to Petra. Anybody else? No, but you must have seen pictures. So if you go to Jordan, it takes about, I'd say about two hours from Jordan uh, airport to get to a place called Petra. And you will find uh, sand valleys. Okay, the, the valleys and the rock and the mountains are actually the, the, the color of sand, naturally. And within this, you had the Nabteen people who had carved their houses and massive, huge buildings and temples. Uh, it's Petra, it's beautiful to look at. It's quite stunning that after so many years, it's well preserved. And how back in those days, when they had limited resources, they were able to actually carve out these kind of, uh, you know, structures within the mountains. So the second largest sort of uh, landmark for these people, you find it's in Madain Saleh. And this is the same place where the people of Thamud used to be as well. So there are many ruins there now as well. If you were to see, you, you, you can Google it, check Al-Hijr or Madain Saleh, and you will see many, many pictures. Even our poster that we've used for this today's program, you will see one of the, it's probably a tomb or a grave that they've carved out. So they didn't necessarily live in them. Some of them did, but not all of the buildings that they made, or should I call them carved areas in the mountains were for residents. A lot of it was just to show off because they had so much strength and power. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to them. And we said regarding the people of Hud alayhi salam as well, that you are on every landmark and crossroad, you're building these huge, tall buildings and structures that you don't even live in. What's the purpose of this? You don't need this. So the people of Thamud were quite similar in terms of, so you can say that they were following the path of the previous people, the people of Ad, in terms of their civilization, in terms of their urbanism, the way they used to live, the way they used to carve houses and other buildings in the mountains, in terms of their strength. And they would build huge palaces and they were carving the um, houses out of the mountains. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the, the, the main evil they had within them was idol worship. Alongside, they were very extravagant, they were arrogant, they were unmindful of Allah. There were a list of other things as well. So this particular area you find uh, was the Nabteen people that you find built these places in Petra. It seems that they came to this area also. And this is the area referred to as Madain Saleh or Al-Hijr. And there's a surah in the Quran. Al-Hijr comes from the rock and huge rocks and stoned areas. 
Um, and this is where these people, Allah says, the people of Al-Hijr denied the messengers. And it's the same thing here. Messengers, they only had one Nabi, Salih alayhi salam. What did we say? Last week, if you remember, denying one prophet means denying all of the prophets. Denying one prophet because the, pro the message of all of the prophets is the same. So when Allah says, كَذَّبَ أَصْحَابُ الْحِجْرِ الْمُرْسَلِينَ the people of Hijr, they denied all of the messengers. Yes, by denying Salih, you've denied all of the messengers. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Prophet Salih alayhi salam to invite these people towards Tawheed, believing in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What did he say? Ya Allah, ma lakum min ilahin ghayru. O people, worship only Allah. There is no other God besides Allah. And then he said, huwa ansha'akum min al-ardi. He is the one who initiated you from the earth. You didn't exist. You were nothing till yesterday. Allah is the one who initiated, brought you into existence. And he has settled you on this earth. This power, this strength, this wealth, this experience, this architecture, these structures. Allah is the one who settled you. Allah is the one who brought you into existence. And he is the one who's brought you to where you are. Therefore worship him. Why is it that you are worshipping the idols? So this is the way how Prophet Saleh alayhi salam uh, addressed them. Uh, Imam Dahak rahmatullah alayhi is one of the commentators of the Quran on doing tafsir of wasta'marakum fiha and he settled you on the earth. He goes on to say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them he is the one who gave you such lengthy lives. So the minimum age or the average age of these people was 300 years. Some of them lived to nearly a thousand also. But the average age is 300 years. So Allah is saying, who is giving you such a long life? Why don't you believe? Saleh alayhi salam is explaining in such a nice, beautiful manner that the one who initiated you, gave you such a lengthy life, granted you all of these things. Worship him, bow to him, and فَاسْتَغْفِرُوا ثُمَّ تُوبُوا إِلَيْهِ Ask him, look, you've done wrong. That's fine. Doing wrong isn't the end of the day. You've still got time. Salih isn't rebuking them. He isn't scolding them. He said, look, fine. We acknowledge you've done wrong. Fastaghfiruhu. Ask him for forgiveness. Thumma tubu ilayhi. And then turn to him in repentance. He'll forgive you. He'll wipe away everything you've done. Even though it was so serious. We worship idols. Allah will, if you turn to him and ask him for forgiveness and believe in him, he will forgive all of your past. So stop doing what you're doing. Turn to him and then he describes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inna rabbi qareebun mujeeb that oh people do you know which kind of Allah we have he says my Allah is very near and is very responsive can you see what he's trying to say these idols okay they might look that they're close to you you might be able to physically see them but in reality they're not they don't really they don't know anything they can't hear you they can't speak so then despite they might they might be standing right next to you there but they're not near for you because they can't do anything inna rabbi qareebun mujeeb my allah is very near wa idha sa'alaka ibadi anni fa inni qareeb allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when my slaves asks you regarding me tell them i am very near ujibu da'wata da'i idha da'an same message that Salih alayhi salam is telling Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is also saying as well. Tell them whenever somebody makes dua, I immediately respond. So Salih alayhi salam says, Inna Rabbi Qareebun Mujib. Two things he says. My Allah is very near, number one, and very responsive. 
Do your idols respond? He didn't look at, look at the style of speech. He didn't attack the idol straight away because they would have just not listened to him. He, he focused on the positive points. And he says, my Allah is very responsive. You call to him, he'll listen to you straight away. You ask, he will grant. Whereas your idols, you've been calling them for so many years. They can't hear you. They can't support you. They can't rescue you. They can't fulfill any of your needs. So when somebody comes to you who is a well-wisher, speaks to you so nicely and tries to make you see the truth, how should a person respond? How did they respond? Do you know what they said? Quran tells us, قَالُوا يَا صَالِهُ قَدْ كُنْتَ فِينَا مَرْجُوًا قَبْلَ هَذَا This is like they ridiculed him. And says, Salih, you know, until today, we had a lot of hope in you. Before you actually started telling us to believe in only one Allah and stop worshipping idols, before that we had a lot of hope in you. What does that mean? Scholars of Tafsir have given two meanings or marjuan. What does it mean we had a lot of hope in you? Number one, we had a lot of hope in you. We thought you're really clever and we thought you are intelligent and one day you will become our leader. That's, we had a lot of high hopes, but you know what? All gone. You, you've, you've shattered our expectations. You've shattered our hopes. We don't have any trust and reliance and belief in you. We don't think of you as anything anymore. Until today, you were okay and fine. Didn't they say this to the Prophet Al-Amin? And when he said, believe in one Allah, okay, all that respect went down the drain. Up until now, they were fine. So same over here as well. And the second meaning is that we had a lot of hope that one day, although until now you didn't worship our idols, we had a lot of hope that you will return to the religion of your forefathers. Meaning we had a lot of hope that you're going to join our team and you're going to also worship idols as well. But we've lost all hope in you totally. So they said to him, O oh Saleh, we had a lot of high hopes in you until today. Are you trying to prevent us from what our forefathers used to worship? Our forefathers worshipped these idols. And this is something going on. It's a tradition. How, can, how, how do you expect us, just by you telling us, same what they said to Hud just by you telling us what you think, we're just going to stop this tradition that we've been doing from our forefathers. This is a culture that we're following and they've done it, so we're going to do it as well. And regarding what you're inviting us to, we're in serious doubt. This believing in one Allah and believing that there's going to be a life after death. We've got serious doubts in regards to this. So now Saleh presents to them another form of da'wah, another form of invitation, another beautiful presentation. He says, in kuntu ala rabbi. Now look, look at the way he presents himself. He says, okay, all my people, let's, for argument's sake, right? Okay, you've got a point, I've got a point, right? Okay, just hear me out. Ya qawm, ara'aytum, in kuntu ala rabbi. He says, consider this, right? What if I'm on the truth? Hear me out. Look, I, don't, I know you, you've got serious doubts, but what about this? Consider this point as well. Consider the fact that if I am on the truth and I've got evidence from my Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he also grants me his mercy for argument's sake if I am to be on the truth 
There's a possibility, right? You can't just claim that you're untrue. If I've got evidence and my Allah is supporting me through His mercy, If I was to disobey Him and do what you're telling me to do and worship these idols, who's going to protect me? Who's going to protect me? And and what you're telling me, I'll tell you the truth, you don't add any value to my life, what I believe in, except increase in loss, increase in misguidance. You don't add anything to me. You don't increase me in anything because you're taking me further away. I'm, I'm convinced. Salih and every Nabi was convinced. He just presented it like this to them. He wasn't in doubt. He's not saying argument's sake just so that he's trying to sort of see which... No, he's on the truth. But this is another manner, a compassionate manner in which he put forward his claim. Rather than making a strong claim, he said, look, there is a possibility, okay, that I'm on the truth and you're on the truth. Why don't you just give me a chance and listen to what I'm saying? And for me, I'm so convinced that I know that if I was to disobey him and not follow him, and I was to follow what you're saying, then there's going to be nobody and you will not be able to protect me when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down his punishment. So, Salih alayhi salam, he invited them and he said that, what excuse will I present to Allah if I was to disobey him, if I was to do what you're doing, I don't have any excuse whatsoever. Therefore, this is what I believe in and this is what I'm inviting you towards. Listen me out think about it ponder and reflect don't just be arrogant and say no because you don't like what i'm saying or you don't like who i am this message is truth i've got evidence i've got proof i am from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the people of thamud did not believe him they did not give him the time of the day and they went down the path of the disbelievers of the past and they started to accuse him of being mentally disturbed they say saleh the truth is, you're mentally disturbed. There's something wrong in here. And that is what's causing you to claim prophethood. So you're going around telling people that you're a prophet now. This, you've got a screw loose, you're mentally disturbed. Maybe some you've been bewitched, somebody's done some kind of magic on you, or you've lost a plot, and you're going around saying these things. And if you are really honest in what you're saying, if you really have that much conviction that you are truly a prophet and you're not mentally disturbed and you've not been bewitched, then show us a sign. Prove it to us. And they demanded and they, uh, they, they, they persisted that we want to see a sign. And the sign has to be what we ask for as well, not what you bring. We want you to show us a sign. And... You know, there were people of the Hijr. Remember we said, Ashabul Hijr, Madain Salih, huge mountains and these rock formations. And uh, you can see, those who've been, you've, you've seen, and if not, you can see the pictures online. You will see these massive, huge rocks and these carvings that they used to do. And so they went towards a particular rock, solid rock that had no cracks or anything, no holes, no caves, anything in there. And it was like an isolated rock, so it can't, no one's really tampered with it or anything. So this huge, solid rock they went to. And they said, look, we'll only believe in you if you were to tell your Allah 
to bring out a pregnant she-camel from this rock. And after it comes out, it should give birth to the camel. Do that, we'll believe in you. Simple. Now, a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very compassionate upon his people. And they would want to do anything so that their people would be guided. We see the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa How many miracles did he show from the splitting of the moon to many other miracles? Those who believe, believed. And those who disbelieve, disbelieve. But remember, when the sign of Allah comes, when a sign of Allah comes, generally, it increases the iman of the believers and it increases the kufr of the disbelievers. So, now, Saleh alayhi salam, he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him that, tell them, we can show them the sign, not a problem at all. We can give them what they've demanded and requested. Pregnant she camel coming out of a solid rock. Not just think about it. Uh, that's a supernatural thing. That's not normal. Okay. Have you ever seen like, imagine a camel coming out of the, the marble here. I would probably run away. But this is what they asked for. They asked for something that's totally impossible. They asked for something that no magician could do. They asked for something. And once you see that happening, automatically you, you're supposed to believe. But they were given the warning prior on the disclaimer that, look, we'll do what you want. But after that, if you don't believe, then you're in serious trouble. They don't know. Of course we'll believe. Of course, because they were in doubt. They thought that's not going to happen. There's no way that can happen. He's not a prophet. They already decided in their minds that we're in serious doubt. and We don't believe you. And we're going to carry on worshipping our idols. Why? Because our, our, our dad and our granddad did it. That's why we're going to do it as well. So, so we'll come to that in a moment in regards to the, the, the mu'ajiza and the miracle. Let's continue. So the people, they said to Salih alayhi salam, قَالُوا إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ مِنَ الْمُسَحَّرِينَ Salih, we think you're amongst the bewitched people. Somebody who's been cursed and black magic has been done upon them. مَا أَنْتَ إِلَّا بَشَرٌ مِثْلُنَا He's just a human like us. Remember the people of Hud said the same thing? The people of Makkah said that regarding the Prophet wasallam, a very common objection from the disbelievers that if you're a prophet, then Allah would have sent an angel. Now Allah has addressed this. Yeah, if you're an angel, Allah would have sent an angel. But you're a human being, so Allah sent a human being to guide you. And fati bihi ayatan, fati bi ayatin in kunta min sadiqeen If you are truthful, bring a sign. Then Salih alayhi salam now makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They come to this rock and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it happen. A pregnant, large, it's huge, it's strange, it's not a normal camel. It's quite strange in its features. Comes out of this rock and after coming out, it gives birth to a baby camel. And... Salih alayhi salam says, Qala hadihi naqatul, naqatun. Here you go. You wanted the camel? This is the camel. Now, it was, the, the, Allah describes it as the camel of Allah because Allah brought it to life through a, a miracle. It didn't belong to anybody. This is Allah's camel. So now you must respect it. You must honor it. This is a mu'jiza and the sign of the truthfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they all had animals as well. So from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it was fixed. Laha shirbun, 
وَلَكُمْ شِرْبُ يَوْمٍ مَعْلُومٍ One day will be the turn of the camel to drink from the water. So there was a place where they would collect the water from. So one day the camel would drink and the next day would be the turn for all the rest of the people to take water and their animals to drink water. So you have to respect this. The, the camel was, was very huge and large. It needed a lot of water. So one day is for the camel, the other day is for the rest of the people. Yeah, on the day before, if you want to take extra water and store it, that's perfectly fine. But on the camel's day, you cannot take the water. So this was a test. So, And the other thing is, don't touch her with any harm or any evil. Don't go to this camel in with the intention to harm it or cause it any inconvenience. Otherwise, Otherwise, you'll be seized by a punishment of the tremendous day. This tremendous day will come. Either it's referring to the day of the punishment or it's referring to the, on the day of judgment. You'll be seized. Allah will punish you because this is Allah's camel. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in another place in the Quran, He says, Inna fitnatan lahum. Allah says, we are going to send a female camel. Fitnatan lahum is going to be a test for them. Are they really, when they asked for that miracle, were they honest or were they just mocking you? Were they really serious? That looks Saleh, you bring the miracle, we'll believe in you. This is a test now, fine. The, 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 the camel's here. We're going to test them. Fartaqibuhum wastabir. Fartaqibuhum wastabir. Watch them and be patient. Saleh, you watch them, see what they do, and just be patient. And inform them that the water is split between them. The water is divided amongst them and each, each, uh, each share of drink has been uh, uh, distributed and equitably proportioned. For one day is going to be for the camel, one day is going to be for the rest of the animals. Now, so you've got this huge camel. And it, it was quite a, a strange camel. The rest of the animals would be scared. When the camel would be going past, the rest of the animals would run away. And they were, they were scared and frightened. Even the people would, would think twice about going near it. And it would drink a lot of water. It would drink all of the water in one day. And then the rest of the people and the animals would come on the following day. So the camel remained amongst them. The camel and its child, baby camel, for some time. And one day it would have its turn with the water. The, re the other day, uh, people would use the milk. And in this manner, the camel remained amongst them. And nobody really did anything to it. The people of Thamud, so there were, there were people, there were people who accepted Iman and Islam upon seeing this miracle. Not many, but some people upon seeing this, they thought, wow, this has happened. We asked for it and they saw it with their own eyes and they believed in Saleh alayhi salam. But the majority of the people didn't. Now, as the camel remained, the leaders of the people of Thamud, they started getting worried. Why? Because they thought, hang on, the longer this camel remains, the sign of the truthfulness of Saleh is amongst us. As long as that whoever sees it, even they were inside, they knew that this is not the doing of a, a human being. This is not the doing of a magician. Of course, they knew that this must be something divine. So they knew that the longer this camel remains, 
our position is threatened and our culture and of this idol worship is threatened so they decided that they need to do something in regards to this because people are going to carry on believing in him and this sign is going of Allah is going to remain amongst us so they thought well, let's 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 plan something so they got together and they started to plan how can we get rid of this sign so we can't get rid of Saleh uh, so this Kamal is, 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 is his proof is his evidence so they've started to plan something in regards to the Kamal the enmity increased remember we said when the sign of Allah comes it increases the iman of the believers and it increases the kufr of the disbelievers so they became even they became much more harsh in their kufr against Salih alayhi salam Salih alayhi salam he realized that the people are plotting something against him so he went and addressed them lima tasta'jiloon al-adhaab why are you trying to bring the punishment of Allah early why are you rushing Allah's punishment? You've been told that if you cause any inconvenience to this animal, right? I've heard these rumors, these talks, this plotting that you've been all doing, this planning and scheming that you're up to. You're causing yourselves harm. Why? Why are you rushing the punishment of Allah? Don't do it. And he addressed them again. He says, seek Allah's repentance, asking for forgiveness. He is so kind. He's so merciful. Despite all the wrongs you've done, he will still forgive you. You've got a chance. However, the people of Salih alayhi salam, the people of Thamud said, look, you can say what you want. We're not going to believe in you. And since you've come to us with this message, it seems as if you, you carry like this evil and bad omen. So they attach like a superstition to Salih alayhi salam. In Urdu we say Nahusat. Okay, in Arabic it's, it's Shu'umah. And in English, you can say like a bad omen. It's uh, you get bad vibes. You're a, a bad influence, and it's it's like an evil curse. Since you've come, look, we've got like we're 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 going through a drought. There's no rain, and there's no crops growing, and it seems like you're the one who's carrying this around. And since you've been saying this, remember the people of Hud alayhi salam said it as well. When he invited them, he said, look, our, it seems like our gods have cursed you. Our idols have cursed you. And that's why you've become like this. So similar message over here. The people of Thamud uh, said to Saleh alayhi salam that it seems that you're carrying this curse and you're spreading, I mean, among, spreading it amongst us as well. So he addressed them. Why do you rush to evil instead of good? Think of the good, you're supposed to think, look, the camel's here, let's believe. Instead, you're thinking of killing the camel. Why are you rushing to evil? And, Why don't you ask Allah for forgiveness so that he may uh, shower you with his mercy, you may receive the mercy of Allah. They said to him, we consider you as a bad omen. You and all the people who've believed in you, we believe all of you to be cursed and you're carrying this curse around and you've brought it to us as well. Salih alayhi salam said, Qala ta'irukum indallah. Omen? You're saying curse and this omen? Look, at the end of the day, your omen is with Allah. Remember, no individual or no thing carries any effect. 
effect comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Benefit and harm. You can't say, oh, this is cursed. No. Good and bad comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We spoke about superstition, didn't we? Was it last week, I think? So we won't go into the detail. But, قَالَ طَائِرُكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ They said, look, your omen is with Allah. And, بَلْ أَنْتُمْ قَوْمٌ تُفْتَنُونَ in reality, he said, in fact, your people that are being tested, this is your test now. You asked for the camel, the camel came out. You asked for it to give birth, it gave birth. Now, this is your test. Believe in Allah, stop worshipping the idols, believe in the concept of the hereafter. However, they did not believe. Now, the arrogant leaders of the people of Thamud, they started blaming uh, the believers with Salih alayhi salam and they started addressing them and trying to deviate them so the arrogant leaders from the people of Thamud they addressed the ordinary simple people who believed in Salih alayhi salam and remember we said the initial people to believe in prophets are always the simple, the poor, and the ones who don't really have much of a social standing. So the leaders, the arrogant leaders, they, the kuffar, they addressed the normal, simple, ordinary people who believed in Salih alayhi salam. Trying to create doubt. Are you certain that Salih is a prophet sent from Allah? Are you certain? You know, like, how, how have you just believed in it so easily? They responded by saying, Qalu inna bima bihi They said, we certainly believe in what he's been sent with. We certainly believe it. You can't shake us. We know what you're trying to do. You know, you try to plot against the camel. You're trying to take us away. It's not going to work. We are convinced. We are certain that what he's been sent with is the truth. Do you know as strong as the belief of the believers was? The kufr and the disbelief of the disbelievers was just as strong. They said that the people who were arrogant, they said to the people who believed that we reject and refuse to believe in what you believe in. So, fine, you want to believe? You know, we totally oppose you. Now, the, it was a problem now. These leaders, for them, the Kamal was an issue, Saleh was an issue, the believers were an issue, and as long as they all remained, it was a threat to their position and this custom of idol worship which they wanted to protect. So, and then the animal was like scaring the other animals as well, the camel, because it was different, it was strange, it was something they had never seen before. So now they decided that let's make a plan. So the plan that they made was that someone needs to attack the camel and kill the camel. And from there, we'll be able to start our scheming and planning. And then we'll move on from there. And then we'll take the next, you know, we'll attack um, Saleh alayhi salam. And then we'll go for the people who believe in him. So this was their kind of plan. Now, Ibn Jarir, rahmatullah uh, alayhi, and some of the other scholars of tafsir, they've given a, li a little bit of detail into the story and the background into the people that were involved. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam has also made reference to this story which we'll cover later on. So, in the ulama of tafsir, they mention, in the people of Thamud, there were two women. One of the women, her name was Saduq bint al-Mahya bin Zuhair bin Mukhtar. So let's just say her name is Saduq. So this is one woman. 
She was a notable woman from a noble family, very wealthy as well. And her husband became a Muslim, meaning her husband accepted the message of Saleh She didn't, she refused. So he presented the Islam to her, she refused. So what happened was uh, she divorced herself, she separated from her husband said, I don't want to, you're, you, you, you're a believer in Prophet Saleh, I don't want anything to do with you. And she went away. And she invited one of her own nephews, whose name was Misra, and she presented herself to her own nephew and said, look, if you go and kill that camel, you can have me in marriage. She's presenting herself to her own nephew. So that was the first woman, the first person to start this scheming and this planning off. The second woman was Uneiza, and she was an elderly, disbelieving woman, and she had four daughters. So she went to a person called Qidar bin Salif and presented all four of his daughters, or her daughters, and said, if you go and kill the camel, the first thing you do is chop the legs off, You'll ha you get it hamstrung first, and then eventually people will come and kill it. So the aim was to attack the legs of the camel, to attack the veins so that it sort of can't stand anymore. And then once it's fell, then the rest will be done automatically. So she presented all four, and look, if you go and do this, then you can marry any one of my four daughters. And again, she was from a high social standing, and for him it was, it was like, yes, it sounds like a deal. So these two people got together. Both of them wanted to get married, so what they do is both of them got together. Uh, they went round the people and the people of the mood and the rallying people and seeing if there's anyone else who volunteers to carry out this wretched and evil act of attacking the camel of Allah. Another seven people joined them as well. So how many now altogether? Nine. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indicates towards this in the Quran. He says, وَكَانَ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ تِسْأَةُ رَحْتٍ يُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا يُصْلِحُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, within the city, there was a gang of nine people. There was a gang of nine people. They, يُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ They caused mischief on the earth. They had no intention of self-reformation and rectifying themselves. They were wretched individuals. And this was a gang of nine people, Allah says. Now, they went to the rest of the people. And do you know what? They got everybody's votes. The people of Thamud, in, I'm talking about those who didn't believe. They went to the elders. They went to the youngsters. They went to the males. They went to the females. Everybody agreed and egged them on and said, yes, we support you. We think it's a good idea. Go for it. Go and kill the camel. Get rid of it so we can get rid of Saleh and everything that he calls us to owe. Na'udhu billahi min dhalik. So, now what happens is they made this plan. And one of them gets up. Qidar bin Salif is the first to attack. And he shoots an arrow towards the camel of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It hits the leg of the camel and attacks the actually It hits it in one of its main veins and it falls to the ground. And then as a result, what happens? The women of the people of Thamud, they're going round and they're rallying people as well. Come on, come on. It's happening. The big day, the event is taking place. And they all come. And others also come with their swords. Qidar bin Salif comes and he attacks the camel, chops the legs off. And then 
if somebody else comes and stabs the camel in other areas until it is totally um, destroyed, killed, and it's been put to an end. And whilst it's dying, it screams really loudly. And the purpose of the scream was to warn its child, remember the baby camel, that, you know, get away from here, there's danger. As a result of which the scholars of Tafsir mention that the child of the camel ran to the mountains. And some other scholars of Tafsir, they say that it, once it went to the camel, it screamed three times, Ya Rabbi, Aina Ummi, Ya Rabbi, Aina Ummi, Ya Rabbi, Aina Ummi. Oh my Allah, where is my mother? Where is my mother? Where is my mother? We're going to come back to these three screams in a moment. Why the scholars have mentioned three times? Because Quran mentions something in regards to three times. So that is one interpretation. Some other scholars say that they went after the baby camel as well and also killed her or him as well. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when describing this, He says, they called their friends. So these gang of nine people, they called on each other. Fata'ata, and then he dared. You know, he remember he was put to it. Like I dare you, if you go and kill the camel, you can have my daughter in your marriage. So he dared. Fa'akar, and he slaughtered the camel. Allah says, so how were my punishment and my warnings? In another place in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa taala says, idim ashqaha when they sent the most wretched person from amongst them and the people followed the most wretched person amongst them and Salih alayhi salam said to them that this is the camel of Allah and so let her drink let her when it's her day let her drink they denied Salih alayhi salam and they hamstrung the camel so their Lord crushed them because of their sins and he leveled it and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't fear the consequences of what he does Imam Ibn Kathir rahmatullah alayhi mentions that the first person to go and attack the camel was a person called Qidar bin Salif. May Allah's curse be upon him. The Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam has actually referred to him as the most wretched individual who has walked on the surface of this earth or one of the most wretched people because this is attacking a sign and a mu'jiza of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the three screams that were made by the child and the baby of the camel, we find that Salih alayhi salam, he's, when they killed the camel, he addressed his people and he said to them, Tamatta'u fi darikum thalathata ayyam, Quran says. You enjoy yourself in your homes for three days. So this is the, the first sign of Allah was Salih alayhi salam himself. The second sign was the camel and its baby. The third was this now. Salih alayhi salam is telling them, Tamatta'u fi darikum thalathata ayyam. You enjoy yourselves in your homes for three days. Thalika wa'dun ghayru makthub. This is a prophecy that is infallible. There is no way that this prophecy, prophecy will not be fulfilled. There is no way. Three, you've got three days. That's it. You're not going to last more than three days. 
And this is where some of the scholars have linked the three screams to the three days which Saleh alayhi salam warned his people about. Now, now, was that the fact that they slaughtered the camel, that was such a big thing. And then Saleh alayhi salam warning them, telling them, you've got three days now. That should have been the end. They'd already done so much damage. Do you think they stopped there? No, they didn't. They didn't even stop here. So, you know what they did? They said, swear by Allah to one another. So they got together for their second meeting now. So they had that first scheming and plotting meeting where they decided to kill the camel. Now they've got together after this incident. They said, they, they swore by Allah to each other that, that now let's move on to stage two of the plan. At night time, Quran says, we will attack Saleh and his family members. So we've killed the camel. Let's kill Saleh and his family now. And then what we'll do, so they worked it all out. When the guardians and the family members of Saleh and his other protectors and the people that know him, in the morning when they come and they ask, do you know anything about this? Quran says, we will say, Mahlika ahli ahliha. We didn't witness the murder of Saleh and his family. Wa inna la sadiqun. You know, we're saying the truth. So they planned it all out. They said, this is what we're going to say. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, wa makaru makran, wa makarna makran, wa hum la yash'urun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they made a plan. And we also made a plan. Wa hum la yash'urun. However, they didn't realize. They thought it was only them who were planning. Allah says, we were planning as well at the same time, but they didn't realize that we were also planning. Had they realized and had that belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that your plan is nothing in comparison to the plan of Allah, then Allah says, Allah says, look at the consequence of their planning. What happened to them? We're going to come to it in a moment. What was the consequence and the outcome of their disbelief and disobedience and transgression? That as an account of their, uh, uh, their, their, their injustice, we, uh, we destroyed them, uh, all of them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Look, here are their houses in ruins, those huge massive houses they used to carve in the mountains. Even now if you go, you will see in Madain Saleh, huge formations in the rocks and how they used to carve. Imagine how strong, powerful, wealthy, intelligent these people must have been. But they didn't use their intellect in the right places. Allah says, فَتِلْكَ بُيُوتُهُمْ خَاوِيَةً Look at their houses, they are in ruins. بِمَا ظَلَمُوا On account of their injustice towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً لِقَوْمِ يَعْلَمُونَ Indeed, in this there is a sign for the people who know. وَأَنْجَيْنَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَكَانُوا يَتَّقُونَ Allah says when the punishment came, we saved the people who believed and were righteous. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, when he, the, the, obviously he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them respite. So in regards to the camel, he allowed that to happen. Allah allowed it. Okay, they went, they killed the camel. That was that. But when they planned to attack Saleh alayhi salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came to the rescue. Before they could carry out their plan, it says before the rest of the nation of Saleh alayhi salam were destroyed, 
First, this gang, an army of nine people, which Allah refers to as the mischief makers in the town. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed them with stones. Stones fell from the heavens and crushed them and destroyed them prior to the destruction of the rest of the nation of Thamud. Uh, of, of, of Thamud. And the day they killed the camel was a Wednesday. That's the day they killed the camel. Now, remember, Saleh told them, you've got three days. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But by that time, you've not repented, you've not turned back to Allah. On Sunday, categorically, he's given them three days. Sunday is going to be the big day. Doomsday for you. So, and it was all spelt out. He said to them, look, I'm not just saying it. You want proof and evidence? Okay, right. You killed the camel of Allah. Now you're plotting against me. Look what happened to those nine people. And then, right, when day one comes from the three days, a sign to show you that this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm not just, it's not a fairy tale. I'm not picking this out from my pocket. This is a truth which I'm sharing with you. On day one, meaning on Friday, no, sorry, Thursday is going to be day one, your faces will turn yellow. And then on Saturday, your faces will turn red. And then, sorry, uh, Thursday, Friday, and on Saturday, your faces will turn black. And it happened exactly as Saleh told them. So they knew they were going through this, and all they could do, it was too late. The rebellion, the hatred, the disbelief had, was so deep-rooted that there was no U-turn for them. They didn't want to change. But now on one side, they knew that they're not going to change, but at the same time, they're just waiting to see what's going to happen next. Because everything they were told, they've already seen coming true in front of their eyes. So what happens the first day came, Yomul Khamis was the first day, and their faces turned yellow, just as Saleh warned them. And then the next day came when they would go to sleep in the morning. What happened is on Friday, their faces turned red. And then when they woke up the following day on Yom Thalith, their faces had turned black. And then that night when they went to sleep, they knew that tomorrow morning, something's going to happen. There's going to be destruction. And when the morning of Sunday arrived, what happened? We find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down the punishment. And the punishment with which the people of Thamud were destroyed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes it as as-sayha. And as-sayha can be translated as in an awful scream. An awful scream. Um, so, What's an awful scream? An awful scream is a loud noise. Imagine, imagine a sound. So imagine an angel being told to scream upon this whole nation of thousands and thousands of people. The sound of that scream was so loud, so loud that with one scream, it ripped their hearts apart. Their souls flew out from their bodies. It shattered them into pieces. Their homes were destroyed. Everything just destroyed, annihilated through one scream. 
in one other place, along with this scream, because the scream was so loud, the earth, there was a rumble on the earth, and it just destroyed all of them, completely destroyed and shattered into pieces. Each and every person, their, their, their soul came out from their bodies, and there was total silence. The civilization that was so active and so advanced in their structure, in their architecture, in their works, you see that this it was silent. No movement. Everything became still. No sound. And the truth with which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised them, they were just dead bodies lying around. And it says that there was one woman, Kalba bintu Salq, she was from the disbelievers, and she managed to escape from that town. And she ran into another village close by as fast as she could. And she started telling them that, look what's happened to our people. Saleh did tell us we didn't believe. Look what happened. And she said, look, I'm really thirsty. Please give me some water to drink. And as she was drinking the water, Allah caused her to die just by drinking the water. Informing and letting her know that you can't run away from the punishment of Allah. You are also from amongst them. And some of the scholars have mentioned why was it that everybody was destroyed? Whereas there were nine people who attacked the camel because two things. Number one, they weren't destroyed just because of the camel. They continuously disbelieved in the message of Saleh. And remember, they went around the whole of the town and the city, and everybody was in agreement and supported what they were doing. The young, the old, the male, the female, everybody was a part of this. They schemed and they plot together. Thus, the destruction came upon all of them. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they destroyed and they attacked the camel, Allah uses a plural sense that they all were part of it. They were all part of it. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, When you looked at that city after the destruction, it looked as if no one ever lived here before. There was no sign. Allah didn't leave any sign of them. Yes, you've got their houses in their mountains, but they're empty as ruins. In terms of people, gone. Zero. Total destruction. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and save us from his punishment. So like we heard, the people of Nuh alayhi salam were destroyed by this huge flood. And the people of uh, Ad, what was it last week? Winds. Such strong winds that made them toss around and then their heads were taken off their bodies and they were thrown onto the earth like palm trees. And now we have the people of Thamud. They were destroyed this awful tremendous scream which was so loud it just ripped them into pieces now when we how can you and I relate to this generally when we think about the flood of Nuh alayhi salam we think oh it's, it was for the people of Nuh alayhi salam like, that's not going to happen to me anyway so we, we just we listen to this as a story when we talk about the winds that came for the people of Ad we think yeah yeah winds you know they were destroyed they were really bad evil people and then we look at this story now and the scream and you know we feel to an extent we feel we're safe because our Prophet made dua that oh Allah do not destroy my nation in its entirety with a kind of a punishment that the people previously were destroyed and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted that dua. Yes there may be areas where there may be floods or winds or certain natural disasters but the whole nation and the whole ummah won't be destroyed with one kind of a punishment we know that so i think that sometimes gives us a little bit of you know uh, contentment thinking you know these things don't really apply to me remember quran allah is not telling us this for us do you think allah just told us 
just listen to this story that these people were destroyed by a scream and the people of Noah destroyed by a flood. There must be a greater message. There must be a lesson. Every ayah of the Quran has a lesson. It's not just to read and to know and to build our knowledge and information. What lesson can you and I take from here? The lesson that you and I can take from here is not to be heedless of the punishment of Allah. We can't escape the punishment of Allah in, in this kind of form, in its entirety in the world. However, what happens in the world when we see people who are heedless? Of, now, there's not really a comparison to this, but just to give us a bit of an understanding. People who are unmindful and uh, heedless of warnings, of being penalized, what happens to them? Now, people will tell you, look, don't drive over 30. You say, no, 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 this camera doesn't work. It doesn't work. I've tried it. I've been on this road like loads of times. It doesn't work. Trust me, it doesn't work. And people tell you, look, just be careful. Okay? 30 is the speed limit. If you go over, you're going to have to pay. No, it's fine. It's fine. So this guy, he's, he goes, and what happens? He's heedless. He's unmindful. He's not thinking about the punishment, the penalization, the penalty. And he goes on that road, and what happens? You get it. Somebody tell you, don't park in that spot. Don't park on double yellow. No, it's okay. It's okay. There's no one around. I do it all the time. It's fine. And you, you've been told, you've been reminded, and then you do it. What happens? People tell you, look, when the fine comes, don't pay it. Nothing will happen to you. They've never done it. The person advising you has never done it before. He's just heard it from somebody. So, yeah, don't, don't pay. And then what happens? You, get, you end up with a, a letter from the court summoning you. you. You've got these outstanding, and it said doubles, and then it goes more and higher and higher. So this is what happens when people don't heed the, the, the people of the Anbiya alayhi musalatum gave them warnings that the punishment will come. There, there, yeah, yeah. Let's see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll sort it out when it comes. So this is our little experience in the world where we've seen with our, you know, few things here and there where just we've taken a few examples from being on the road and how we should heed these warnings. But there is a greater day that we're going to face. And the punishment on that day, the punishment on that day is much greater than the flood of Nuh alayhi salam, than the winds that destroyed the people of Ad, and the scream that destroyed the people of Thamud. And that is a day of judgment. And in reality, if I was to ask, one of the things that these people didn't believe in was the hereafter. Alhamdulillah, we are Muslims. We believe in the Akhirah, we believe in the hereafter. However, how mindful are we of the hereafter? How mindful are we of the day of judgment? How many times a day do we remember that a time is going to come when we have to stand in front of Allah? And that one day is going to be 50,000 years long. Do we think about it? Do we remember it? Is it in our minds? When we wake up in the morning, is that, is that one of the first things we think about so that we can spend our day in preparation for that day? What do we know about that day? Because remember, that day is going to be such that the punishment of Allah and the anger of Allah will be such, it will be way greater than the punishments that we hear about with these nations. So we shouldn't think that we're not from the people of Nuh or the people of Hud or the people of Saleh and we escape the punishment. We've got this huge day coming up and we should be preparing for it and be mindful of it. Re regarding the sun, we are told, it will be just above the head. And in regards to the people that will be woken up on that day, they will say, Man And Allah is going to show His power 
How will Allah destroy the world? You know when you blow, it's, does it have any power in it? It's nothing. I, I, if I blow this, I won't even be able to blow, you know, knock it over. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to show you and I His power on the day of judgment that in reality you, all the people of the world, you are so insignificant, so weak that I'm going to destroy you all with one blow. Finished. One blow, that's it. Israfil alayhi salam has only been created for this purpose. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says since he has been created, he holds the hone in his hand. His eyes are like two shining luminous stars looking towards the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, waiting for Allah to say blow, he will blow everything destroyed. And then he will blow one more time and everything will be revived. And this will be a manifestation of the qudra and the power of Allah. How powerful and strong is Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One blow destroyed. One blow revived. It shows everybody who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Ummul Mu'mineen Sayyida Aisha radiallahu anha says everybody will be resurrected on that day. Hufatan, barefoot, barehead. There'll be no hats. No one will be having a kind of a position to show that I am so and so. Bareheaded, barefoot, totally naked, uncircumcised. Aisha radiallahu anha said, Will men not look at women? Women not look at men? The Prophet said, everybody will be so terrified. Nobody will have the guts or the courage to look at anybody. Everybody will be concerned about themselves. And the Quran tells us, that the day of judgment when it occurs, it's going to be such a shake-up that the breastfeeding woman will throw her child away. A woman who's carrying a baby will miscarriage. Mother will run away from her child. The husband will run away from his wife. We hear in Egypt, there was an earthquake not so long ago in one of the areas. A woman had gone to the doctors with her child. And when the earth shook, she ran out from the clinic. And it's only later on she realized that she left her child inside. So people are doing it in this world. It's happening already. So this is going to be the day of judgment. And people will be sweating, as we know, in accordance to the sins. If we don't sweat in the world for the sake of Allah, then on the day of judgment, people will have to sweat. Some people until their ankles, some people till their waist, some people will be drowning as a result of their sins. And then the Prophet ﷺ says, some people will be walking on the day of judgment. Some people will be riding on an animal. Two people, three people riding on one animal at the same time. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, there will be certain individuals on the day of judgment who will be walking on their faces. They said, Ya Rasulullah, how can somebody walk on their face? The Prophet said, The Allah that makes you walk on your feet will make you walk on your face. May Allah protect us. This is Yawmul Qiyamah. This is the day of resurrection. And we find that وَإِذَا الْبِحَارُ سُجِّرَتْ All of the oceans of the world will be turned into fire. So that blazing fire will be around. How long will this one day be? 50,000 years and one day of the hereafter is equal to a thousand years of this world now do you know what we need this reminder we don't talk about this we need it we believe in it we believe we say we believe in akhirah but we regularly need to talk about it we regularly need to discuss it we regularly need to read about it give ourselves an opportunity and a chance to listen to the happenings of the hereafter otherwise 
These stories in the Quran that we're discussing, the people of Thamud, they were heedless. What's the difference between us and them? Yes, the difference is big difference. Alhamdulillah, we believe. But aren't we as heedless as well? Aren't we heedless? Because we don't think about it. If this was fresh in our minds all the time, we wouldn't do most of the disobedience and the transgression and the mistakes that we generally make throughout the day because we are mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, this brings me to a point. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has given us a way where we can be reminded of these happenings on the Day of Judgment every single day. And that is a beautiful dua of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam every single night. We find the Sahaba say every night when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would go to bed, he would lie on his right, he would place his right hand underneath his right cheek. So this is a sunnah. Okay, put your right hand underneath your right cheek and read the dua. Allahumma qini adabak yawma tab'athu ibadak. Six words only. From the six words, one word you already know, Allahumma. So five words to learn. Very easy. Allahumma qini adabak. يَوْمَ تَبْعَثُ عِبَادَكَ اللَّهُمَّ قِنِي عَذَابَكَ يَوْمَ تَبْعَثُ عِبَادَكَ What is it? اللَّهُمَّ قِنِي عَذَابَكَ يَوْمَ تَبْعَثُ عِبَادَكَ اللَّهُمَّ قِنِي عَذَابَكَ يَوْمَ تَبْعَثُ عِبَادَكَ Again, اللَّهُمَّ قِنِي عَذَابَكَ يَوْمَ تَبْعَثُ عِبَادَكَ It's been added to the description of the YouTube, inshallah, of this video. For those who want to see the wording, the translation, and the reference is from Sunan al-Tirmidhi, the Prophet sallallahu blessed and noble habit. When he would go to sleep, he would lie on his right side, take his right hand, put it under his cheek, and say, Allahumma qini adabak, yawma tab'athu ibadak. O Allah, save me from your punishment on the day you will resurrect your slaves. What's the purpose of this dua? There are numerous benefits we can see. First of all, when you go to bed and you lie down in your bed and you, you, you read this dua, the first thing you're doing is you're affirming your belief in the hereafter. There are many people in the world who don't believe in akhirah. And anybody who doesn't believe in the hereafter is not a Muslim. It's important that we keep affirming this belief. Like we say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. We say, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. We need to also continuously affirm our belief and confirm our belief in the hereafter. Number one, by you reading this dua at the time of sleeping, you are confirming and affirming, I believe that there is an afterlife. Number one, Allahumma qini adabak, yawma tab'athu ibadak. Number one. Number two, it's a reminder. It's a reminder when you go to sleep and you put your head on that pillow. It's a reminder for you that that's not it. Life's not just about, you know, this sleep is not just to now relax. It's not to become heedless. It's not to become ghafil and neglectful. I'm putting my head on this pillow because remember, remember when the punishment came for Nuh alayhi salam's people, when the punishment came for the people of Ad, when the punishment came for the people of Thamud, generally the punishment comes at the time of Fajr. That is the time of the punishment we find in all of these stories. When the actual punishment arrives and the Quran says they woke up in the morning and they were annihilated. They woke up in the morning, they were destroyed. They woke up in the morning, ruins. So when you're going to sleep, that last moment, you might not even open your eyes. That could be your last time you're going to be alive. Allahumma qini adabak, yawma tab'athu ibadak. 
O oh Allah, save me from your punishment on the day when you will resurrect your slaves. So number two, it's a reminder. Number three, it's an amazing sunnah. Two sunnah. One sunnah is to sleep on the right. That's a sunnah. The second sunnah is to put your hand, right hand underneath your right cheek. The third sunnah is to read this dua in this position. Allahumma qini adhabak yawma taba'athu ibadak. Now some people can't go to sleep on their right. That's fine. When you lie down, put your hand underneath your right cheek, read this dua and then turn onto your left or onto your back. Some people can't sleep on their right. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. You're not sinful for doing that. But to get the reward of this sunnah, start off on the right at least. And Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullah, fourth benefit of sleeping on the right, Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullah mentions from a medical perspective, the heart is more towards the left of your body. When you sleep on your right, your heart doesn't become compressed. Instead, it's hanging. And that saves you from going into an extremely deep sleep as a result of which you will wake up for Fajr Salah. If you sleep on your left, there are more chances of you missing your Fajr. And that is the time when the punishment would come on the people of the previous nations. Allahumma qini adhabak. The Prophet ﷺ, throughout the day, he was mindful of Allah, always in the dhikr of Allah. Now he's going to sleep. Even this sleep now is a reminder at that time that sleep is the sister of death. So we sleep with this dua, Allahumma qini adhabak, with the being mindful of the hereafter. Allahumma qini adhabak, yawma taba'athu ibadak. Oh Allah, save me from your punishment on the day you will resurrect your slaves. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding. This dua, I share with you an incident. In one of the Arab countries, there was a college girl and she was really into music, uh, a very lavish lifestyle, into fahash, into indecency, immorality, you name it, she was involved in it. She didn't have a good life, life full of sins. She says that in her college, the girl she used to sit next to, she was very pious, very upright, very modest, and she was quite practicing religious girl from a good family. She says, one day I went into my class and I put down my folder. And when she put, now my folder was covered in lyrics, okay? You people write whatever they want. You know, well, some people do tattoos, some people write it on their bags, school bags, on their folders, you'll never walk alone, or whatever it is, you, you know, some lyrics of some song, or whatever it is, some logo, or whatever, just do it, or just don't do it, or whatever, whatever it is. So, and he, she says, I, I, I was, you know, the class teacher was speaking, I wasn't really attentive, I was looking at all the things on my folder. She says, I turned to the girl sitting next to me, and I saw that on her folder, she'd written, Allahumma qini adabak. This dua. Oh Allah, save me from your punishment on the day you will resurrect your slaves. She goes, immediately that struck me and I was reminded of Akhirah. She goes, that's the first time I ever thought and contemplated about the day of judgment. And within the lesson, she goes, I couldn't control myself and I was reduced to tears. So I was crying and I was thinking, look at my life. I am so negligent. I'm so unmindful of Allah. I don't have anything good in my life. What's going to happen to me when I'm resurrected? And she says, I was crying and crying. And throughout the whole lesson, I just cried. And then when the students left the classroom, the teacher left the classroom, the girl next to me, she realized that I've been crying. She asked, what's wrong? And I, I spoke to her. And she told me, don't worry about it. There is a way. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's doors are always open. Make tawbah 
and from that day onwards she was a reformed individual Allahumma qini adabak yawma tab'athu ibadak never never trivialize any sunnah any dua none of these duas are small they might look small you might think well you know what look it's life-changing these duas if read with yaqeen conviction understanding the meaning with focus they are life-changing Allahumma qini adabak yawma tab'athu ibadak nevertheless we're coming towards the end very quickly we find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says when our punishment came we saved Salih alayhi salam and the people that believed in him and in Aziz. now I end by mentioning the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam made reference to the people of Thamud he says on one occasion that uh, Ali radiallahu anhu says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to us shall I not tell you two of the most wretched people that have walked on the surface of this earth the most evil the most nasty people you can find two of them they said bala ya rasulullah why not o messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said the first one is the person qidar bin salif the man who killed and attacked the camel at the time of salih alaihi salam one of the most wretched people to walk on the surface of this earth and then he said ya ali the second person is the one who's going to kill you and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam prophesied the martyrdom of Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was crying so much at this time that his blessed beard was full of tears and wet. And he was referring to none other, the man from the Khawarij, Abdul Rahman ibn Muljim, the one who came and martyred Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Finally, when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was traveling towards Tabuk. Remember we said between Mecca and Medina and Tabuk, this is where we find the place called Al-Hijr or Madain Saleh, where the people of Thamud used to live. Now when they were traveling to Tabuk on this long expedition, on their long journey, we find this is the Hadith of Sahih Al-Bukhari and also in Musnad Imam Ahmad that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he was traveling with the people of the Sahaba, they were going towards Tabuk, Nazala bihim Al-Hijr. They stopped at the place called Al-Hijr, Madain Saleh. And this is where the people of Thamud used to live. So there were springs of water and wells. So the Sahaba, they took water. And this is where the people of Thamud used to use the wells for water as well. And they cooked some chapatis with that, some bread. So they, took, they, 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 they used this water for the making of their bread. And they used it also to make some kind of meat and curry. So they put a stove, they lit some fire and they put a pot. And they used this same water to cook the meat and the bread that they were making. Long journey. The Prophet when he found out that they had used the same water that the people of Thamud used to use, he said, pour it out. Pour it all out. Get rid of it. And the bread that you've made, fine. Don't throw it away. Feed it to your animals. Feed it to your animals. And then he traveled with them. He said, let's move from here. This is the place where the punishment of Allah came. It's not a place for entertainment. Don't use any of these things. Don't use this same water. And then he moved with them until they came to the same well from which the camel of Allah used to drink. And then he said to them that drink from here. And he told them, 
places where the punishment of Allah has come, don't go to them. Don't go to them. You know, people love going to these sites and, you know, entertaining themselves. On one side, we're finding the Prophet ﷺ saying, Don't, why? I'm fearing that the same kind of punishment and affliction will come upon you that came upon them. So don't go there. In another hadith, he says, Don't go to areas where people have been punished. If you, right, if you really want to go from there, or if you need to pass through, fine, you can. Except you should travel and go through there whilst you are crying. You can go from there, but make sure you're going crying, taking a lesson. And if you can't cry, then don't go there. And in one hadith we find, If you can't cry, then pretend to cry. Force yourself to cry when going through. Remember the Prophet ﷺ in Wadi Al-Muhassar, when he was in the Hajj, he told the Sahaba not to pitch their tents there and go quickly from there because this is a place where the people of the elephants and Abraha were destroyed. Uh, so we find this is the practice of the Prophet ﷺ in regards to areas and places where the punishment of Allah came, not to use that for the sake of tourism, entertainment, taking pictures and merrymaking, enjoying ourselves. Rather, these are places where we take a lesson and we try and reform ourselves. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding of the Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill our hearts with the nur of the Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to practice upon this. A reminder regarding the dua once again. Inshallah, let us start practicing it from tonight. Who's going to practice from tonight, inshallah? Yeah? And the best way to retain this knowledge is to share it with others. We all sleep. Everybody sleeps. There's no one who doesn't sleep. So th there's no one you can't share it with. Anybody you see, try and make a plan, inshallah. By next Tuesday, you're going to teach at least five people, inshallah, this dua. Very easy. Allahumma qini adabak, yawma taba'athu ibadak. Place the right hand underneath the right cheek when you're lying down from the sunan of Imam al-Tirmidhi, a beautiful practice of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa The greatest benefit is every night we are reminded of the day of judgment. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding.